<laughs> Amen. As uh, Jeff was, uh, was saying, you know, I'm just so excited because we get to honor what God did uh, on the day of Pentecost today. And I just want to encourage you guys that um, as, when I was looking at the scripture, I'm not preaching on it, so I, this is my little filler for this, is that they all had their own flame. There wasn't just one person over there like, oh, he got the flame. <laughs> Let's get over here by him. No, everybody had their own flame. And I just want to encourage you guys that you don't have to go off anybody else's flame. The Lord has his own flame for you so that you can be in filled with the Holy Spirit to do what he called you to do. He called you to do. There's a social sphere of influence that we each have that we need to impact, and we can only impact it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do no shortcuts. We need Holy Spirit to impact our region, our city, our communities, our social spheres of influence uh, for the kingdom, and we can only do that through the power of the Spirit. Amen? Uh, so speaking of uh, being filled, uh, in my opinion, I feel like one can't be filled unless they're healed. Because if we have these broken places of our, in our heart and in our spirit that hasn't been filled by Holy Spirit, it's going to be very hard keeping that tank full because we have a lot of internal issues, a lot of internal storms, a lot of external life circumstances going on. And man, we need Holy Spirit to bind us up, heal us, make us whole so that there's not a broken cistern in our spirit where we get filled up. Oh, I just need more of you. And he's like, I just need to heal you a little bit so that we can contain my spirit. <laughs> so I want to talk about being healed, and uh, I want to talk about Isaiah 61 and Luke 418 when, when Jesus gave that bold statement that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I will not give my message away, but let me read scripture over here at uh, Luke 4. Okay, let's go to Luke 4. I'm going to read this scripture and we'll pray. And he came to Nazareth, as was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He enrolled it. And found the scroll in the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We honor your word, Jesus. We thank you that this wasn't just a myth. It's real. The Spirit of the Lord is still upon you. And you still want to operate and minister and move in this dynamic, Lord. And I just pray that you would do it. I ask, Lord, nothing short of experience or knowledge of this scripture in our midst today. Today, Father, I ask that you would do what your word says that you do. Validate this word. By sending Holy Spirit to minister to each and every individual, Lord. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus comes off of a 40-day fast. Okay. That's like with no food. Okay, I'm a foodie. And, 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 and when Jeff calls a fast at the beginning of the year, I'm like, <clears throat> okay, I need, a, <laughs> I need to prep for this one. Because I know when God says fast, he's saying Yes, yeah, son, you're going to have to let go of Roadhouse. You're going to have to let go of Chipotle. By the way, Chipotle is right up the street, y'all. Praise God for that. 
praise God. I'm like, I am tired of going all the way to Allen. And like, I'm right up the street, man. So he goes on a 40-day fast, is tempted by the devil, crushes it, every temptation. He just demolishes it, right? And he comes back, and the scripture says he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was sent by the Holy Spirit in the desert, okay? That can confound your theology a little bit because, wait, hold on. God sent a man in the desert with no food and to be tempted? That don't sound like a Jesus that loves me, right? But he does that because it pulls something out of us when he isolates us and says, I want you and only you, and I'm going to teach you how to do warfare so you can crush every temptation that comes your way. He says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is my conviction that if we can overcome, uh, because the scripture says he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he was teaching in the synagogues, they were like amazed. He said like one phrase and like, did you hear that? He said, God. She said, God. They were so amazed at every syllable of his words that he was saying. Why? It's my conviction that when we overcome temptation, we get power on the spoken word. Well, we don't have to conjure up and be loud like Cade and try to deliver a message and and try to really uh, tell somebody they really need Christ. No, we just simply say uh, simple words, simple phrases that carry weight and power because of our interior life and our life when no one is looking. When we champion through our life when no one's looking, the Lord puts power on our spoken word. And our, uh, our demonstration of the gospel and our presentation is way more clear and way more effective. Uh, he comes to Nazareth. Y'all, he comes back to his home church, y'all. They knew him. They're like, Jesus? Jesus? Like, like Joseph's son? Okay. So he comes in, and he, and, he, and he comes to this town, about 1,600 to 2,000 people. And, uh, you know, when you're in a hometown, and you, you listen, they, they, knew, they knew Jesus when he was in the swaddle. Okay, I'm getting used to this swaddle thing. I just had a little girl. So I, it was, listen, I'm competitive. And that swaddle was giving me the business. I'm like, how did her arm come out of, I just, I tucked that thing real tight. And, and soon as I know it, it's like, eh. I'm like. I just tucked it. Anyways, they knew Jesus in the swaddle days. They saw him grew up. They became familiar with him. So when he disclosed the scripture in their midst, they're like, okay. They, they, they almost let their familiarity of him actually dull their senses to what God was actually saying in their midst. Uh, the scroll of Isaiah was given to him. Okay, not just any book. This is all, this is all God. He is like master planner here, right? So he's teaching at other synagogues, and I believe Holy Spirit said, go to Nazareth. I want you to read Isaiah, because I know they're going to give it to you. They give him the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was one of the first major prophets in the Old Testament, and it was a book that established judgment and renewal for righteousness. Uh, and the prophet Isaiah spoke more precisely about Christ and the church than any other prophet. So this is very, very, very on purpose. <laughs> this is on purpose. And uh, even historians say that they, they, Isaiah has so much weight in his words and the book he wrote, they actually considered it as the fifth gospel. So it's very important when Jesus was about to read. 
Uh, and when, when you're in the synagogues, when Jesus was, was there before, you were just given something to read. They told you what to read. You read it. You explain it. Amen. Say him. Let's go eat. In Jesus's context right here, they, they went into this, this flow where they just gave the book, right? They just, hey, read whatever you want out here, expound upon it, and then let's go get some Chipotle, right? <laughs> Don't judge me because I'm hungry right now. <laughs> uh, and so out of all the scriptures in the 66 chapters, think about this. You know how many verses are in Isaiah? I don't know. That's the, besides the point, there's 66 chapters. And of all 66, he reads Isaiah 61. Why? I believe Jesus was so passionate about his ministry and the hurt and the pain on his people. He goes, I'm ready, Father. I'm ready for a new dynamic in ministry, and I want everybody to know right here, right now. He could have read any scripture. Let's just read a couple. He could have, he could have went Isaiah 118. Come, let us discuss. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though the red is crimson, they will be like wool. I'm a pretty good verse, right? All right. Maybe he sits down and explains that. No. He, doesn't even, he, doesn't, he just passes right through it. What about this one? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own opinion and clever in their own sight. Sounds like a pretty good scripture. No, he skipped over that too. What about this? In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high, high and lofty on his throne, and his robe filled the temple. That's pretty good. Hey, he didn't do that. By the way, his robe filled in the temple. Uh, when, when a king's, a king's crown, the more diadems you had were related to the nations you were over. When your robe got longer, it was a telltale sign of how many enemies you conquered. Oh, hey, come on, somebody. His robe fills the temple. Every enemy, every opposition, he wins. He is the champion. It fills the temple. Think how many enemies you have to conquer for your robe to fill God's temple. Beloved, we got to get acquainted with God and how uh, zealous he is to conquer our enemies and everything that opposes love for us and love for him. He's serious about it. His train, his robe for the train of the temple, but he didn't say that either. I was like, man, that was a good one. Jesus, why didn't you do that? Okay, what about this one? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. What a great verse, right? Hey, God, I'm, I'm actually, this scripture has been fulfilled in your midst. I'm Emmanuel. Take a picture. He skipped over that. What about this one? Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse. A branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. A spirit of wisdom and understanding. A spirit of counsel, strength, spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will, he will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with discipline from his mouth. What about that one? Oh, skipped over that one too. What about Gentile worship and Gentile nations and Israel coming together as a highway for the Lord? Isaiah 19. 
He says, on that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, Assyria to Egypt, Egypt to Assyria. On that day, Israel will form a triple alliance with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing within the land. The Lord of hosts will bless them, saying, Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance, are blessed. What about that? What about prophesying that northern Iraq and Egypt, your oppressors, will now become one family worshiping God, and I'm going to call it blessed? What about that? That sounds awesome, but he didn't do that either. I'm like, Jesus, why are you skipping on all this good stuff? Shoot. What about this? Isaiah gets caught up in the spirit in Isaiah 24. And Isaiah says, from the ends of the earth, we hear songs, glory to the righteous one. Let me tell you something. Isaiah was caught up in the spirit and he heard us right here on this day, worshiping these four songs this morning. He was called. I said, I hear Gentiles worshiping about the glorious, righteous one. I hear it, Lord. I hear it. Oh, we say do it. What about saying that in the synagogue? No, not cool enough, Jesus. Okay. All right. He keeps going. A couple more. What about the suffering Savior? What about prophesying of his crucifixion? How he'll be marred, bloodied, beaten so bad he didn't look like a man. What about testifying what he's going to do on the cross to open up a a way for everybody to come and worship him? No, didn't do that either. What about the new heavens and new earth? Hallelujah, we're not staying here, y'all. I got my mansion. What about y'all? Okay, all right. It's labeled for me. He didn't talk about that either. He skipped all that. You know what he said? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And today, I'm telling you that this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. And then Jesus just goes and sits down. Now, before I started studying, I thought, man, how just, he's just like, hmm, take that. I'm going to go sit down. Well, actually, in, uh, in the synagogue, you stand to read the scripture, and you sit down to explain it. So what he did was, he just cut right to the chase. He didn't go sit down and say, oh, um, hey, uh, I want to give you this real elaborate exegesis of this scripture. I'm going to break it down for you guys. No, he cut right to the point. Today, everybody, Aunt, Sir, Aunt Shirley, Uncle Ben, uh, I want everybody to know. That today, this scripture is being fulfilled. It is fulfilled. And I'm going to show you by, by when I leave here, because he went to Capernaum after. I mean, he was hearing paralytics. He was healing diseases, all kinds of sickness and disease. But he wanted to let his hometown know what was upon him. And you know what? Um, it, it, it's, it's tough because they go, Wow. Wait, hold up. This that Joseph's son, right? This carpenter? Like, who's this guy? I actually, I thought it was a good message until I found out who was talking. What? Who is it? Beloved, their familiarity of Jesus dulled their senses to what God was doing in that moment. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, Jesus, don't let me get familiar with you. 
Don't let me get familiar to the point where, all right, we're just going to go here on Sunday. We know what Pastor Jeff's going to speak about. We're going to do our four songs. We're going to get into prayer, and then we're going to get out, and we're going to go eat. I'm familiar with the schedule, but I want to invite us to something a little bit more deeper, as Jeff was saying in praying. The more of God that is yet to be tasted that we can have in this life. We can have... Now, again, I'm a foodie, okay? So when you say, okay, you can have as much food as you want, I'm like, oh, shoot. I think I want my clothes and get ready. We can have as much of God as we want in this life. As much of God as you want in your life, it is free. But sometimes life sets in, we get distracted. Life gives us an upper hook, and we're just like dazed, out for the count. The ministry that's on Jesus still today, I'm asking to him to open up our eyes and do this very thing in our midst, even as I'm talking about it. Because I want you guys, when we get all of God that we can, we become all that he created us to be. Not just a, a fraction, not just a quarter, not just half, just Everything that he created us to be, we become when we get as much of God as we want. And the, 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 the problem is that, is that it's, it's an invitation. Jesus flung over that door. Come in and have all you want of me. Sometimes we come in and out, right? Sometimes I don't feel like going in today. Beloved, I want to present to you an invitation that again, you can have as much of God as you want in your life. And if you don't, it's no harm, no foul. It is totally up to you. But the invitation is still remains. You know, this, what causes somebody to be like dismissing dis, the spoken word that Jesus is saying in their midst right now? Is it a lack of, is it envy? I believe it's envy. It's like, this is Joseph's son? Wait, 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 wait. And then guess what? Envy seeps in. Well, what? Like, what about my son? Well, well, if this is Jesus, I mean, he came from Joseph. Like, what about my family? Well, what about my promise? Why does he get to do this? Why does Joseph's son get, wait, hold up. Why does Joseph's son get to do this? Why, why, why this proclamation? Why this ministry on Joe? He's just a man. Why not me? Why not my family? Why not my inheritance? And this envy started to breed unbelief. It started to breed unbelief. Why did I get the breakthrough? Why didn't I get that answered prayer? Wait, wait, wait. wait I've been praying for finances for like a year. And he got like a check cut to him in a moment. What happened to me, Lord? And then envy sets in. Envy is what you feel when you think there's not enough God to go around. And the enemy will love nothing more to say, yeah, that's for old brother and sister over there. Yeah, no, not you. And you can wait a little bit longer. That breakthrough for your family, you can just, just hold on. It's, he ain't really coming. It's, he's actually more righteous than you, so that he, he got more righteousness points. So um, he's going for... Beloved, that's the gains of the enemy. Your breakthrough is coming. 
Your breakthrough is coming. Why? Because he loves you. And for some sovereign reason that you're in a delay of the breakthrough, it's because he's doing something on the inside of you. When we're in God's waiting room, we're not waiting on man. God can do something in a moment. His authority, his dominion, his power can produce a moment of glory, impact, and breakthrough. Just hold on. Just hold on. Don't let the enemy play games with your mind. When we have unbelief like this and reservations to what God can do, you know, Nazareth is actually the place in Scripture where he says, I can't do much miracles here, guys. I'm sorry. Because why? Your unbelief. If, think about this. God in the flesh put at bay from moving in power because of someone's unbelief. If he's doing that for a town, guys, I'm going to be willing to say he'll do it as an individual. And is his unbelief the very thing that's putting God at bay for totally just coming in and making every wrong thing right? And see, that's what the delay does. The delay will put you in this, in this fog of unbelief because it's been so long, Lord. How long do you want me to wait? I've been praying for this. I've been contending. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm hurting. I'm depressed. I'm just so tired, Lord. And he says, good. Because in your weakness, come on, somebody. If he can push you to the end of yourself, to where you realize, I got nothing, Lord. (laughs) I need your help. He goes, angels, be released. We're good. We're good to go. (laughs) Because if we want to touch it and do it and fix it, and he goes, okay, all right. Okay, well, I'm going to be. It's right here. You done? Okay, all right. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. It's good. It's good. Are you tired yet? Okay. okay. So how's John doing? He's doing good? Oh, all right, let's go. And he's just waiting. He's just waiting and says, Lord, I don't want it. Just you take it. You take it because in your hands, it's way, way better. Way, way better. Okay. Let's go through this. Uh, Isaiah 61. This is what he says. Now, let's just, let me just pray right now. Lord, break off unbelief. Break off unbelief. Years of addiction. Break off unbelief to being free. Demonic dreams in the night. Just been praying to get free. Lord, break off unbelief. Contending for healings and miracles. Lord, break off unbelief. We believe your word and we choose to believe your word today, Father, in Jesus' name. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm just going to break several of these things down. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon someone, it usually meant they have granted power. Granted power, right? A police officer stops you in the name of the law, not in the name of officer so-and-so, right? He's been granted power to stop you. God granted Jesus power to do these things here. He goes, son, I'm sending you to do this. I want every captive set free. I want every blind eye opened. 
Everyone's bound. I want set free. And those who knew the scriptures knew that the term spirit of the Lord was directly referring to the messianic promise in Isaiah 11. I read it. He skipped over it. I'm reading it today. (laughs) The seven counsels of God will rest on the Messiah. Which made them more like, oh, hey, oh, hey, okay, all right, Jesus, all right, we get it, man. Woo, that's a little bit too strong there because you're actually proclaiming to be Messiah, God in flesh, our Savior, with the seven spirits of God of what Isaiah prophesied. This is you? Beloved, Jesus will operate with the seven spirits of God in this ministry. Spirit of counsel, spirit of might. He will operate in that with wisdom and understanding to fear the Lord. Bring good news. This refer in this in this context in Isaiah refers to the good news of a military victory. In context of Isaiah 61, this may involve a victory over oppressor. Healing from the sin and damage that it causes. Now, this can be good news, but let it I want to let me just let's just take us back to us not having God. Because I know, oh, good news. Oh, that's good, brother. Oh, Jesus saves, man. He heals all. All right. And we casually go, beloved, let me, let's take us back to who, who we actually were without God. Ephesians 2 says this, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. He's talking to us. You were called uncircumcised heathens. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship, from the position and status of the people of God among Israel. You did not know the covenant promises of God. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Let's just pause right there. I want you to think about our lives without God and without hope. Wishing for a breakthrough, but it just can't come. Hope is sealed off. Answered prayers sealed off. You can't call out to God. Your dead heart can't come alive. Breakthrough can't happen. You're stuck without God and without hope. That's miserable. Right? Can we all agree? That sounds like a hot mess. No, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But here it is. But now. See, this is only good news if you understand where you came from. Now, I was a hot mess, y'all. I was a hot mess. Call myself a Christian, live like hell. I'm in the club on Thursday, raising my hands on Sunday. A hot mess, smoking weed, all kinds of stuff, just out there. But now, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have brought been brought near through the blood of Christ. This is the good news that Christ came to preach. You didn't have me. Now you do. You didn't have breakthrough. Now you do. You didn't have hope, but now hope is here. You didn't have the blessed assurance, but now you do. You didn't know where you would spend eternity, but now you do. That's the good news. Speaking of good news, I don't know if he's here today. We was in a prayer meeting Wednesday. And it was this uh, brother's second time coming. He had been being discipled by Brian. You know, Brian, the awesome worshiper right here in the front. He's been being discipled for a year by Brian. 
asking questions about gospel, asking questions about Jesus, not feeling connected, maybe wanting to be connected. He doesn't know. He's just asking questions. And Brian's just tenderly walking him through the scriptures and every question for a year. But we need that kind of grace on evangelism where we can walk with scriptures. We don't need to push anybody to Jesus. We just need to answer questions and let Holy Spirit do his work. So he comes in here on, uh, 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 on Wednesday. And I talk to him, hey, man, how's it going, man? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good, just having trouble connecting. And instantly, Holy Spirit said, he's not saved. I said, okay, hey, man, you mind if I ask you a question? Just a real honest question. I said, God forbid you left here and went back to Rockwall and drove and had a premature death and got on the wreck on your way home. I want to ask you a question. Are you confident that you would spend eternity with Jesus? Oh, no, I am not. I said, well, brother, we need to make that right right now. We need to make that right. We need to make that right. I said, God will never push himself on you. He will never assert himself on you, but he will stand at that door of your heart and knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. And I said, I believe today, tonight, right now, you need to open the door of your heart. It's time. All right. Well, what I need to do? I like, well, that was easy. (laughs) That was Oh, you, you want to pray? Okay, all right, all right. I didn't have to explain anything. He saw himself without God. And he saw the invitation of what could be with God. Eternal life secured in a moment. A life with God from that point forward. I said, hey, man, I feel like you're doubting, like, like doubting Thomas, you know, the disciple. Uh, he was like, uh, Jesus... You sure you resurrected, man? It's been like three days, man. You sure? This is you? Hey, everybody, I don't know, man. He didn't condemn. Jesus did not condemn Thomas. He didn't say, oh, you bad disciple, you. You should have knew that I would come. I told y'all about a campfire. (laughs) Eating some pita bread, okay? (laughs) I told you. I told you I was going to resurrect with glory and power and authority. Oh, no, man. Just come here. Touch my wounds. Touch me. Touch my side. See my scars. Guess what this brother's name was? Thomas. <laughs> Brian prays for him after we're done praying. You got to say, he goes, Lord, I just thank you for Thomas. I go, his name is Thomas? His, I couldn't even, uh, I, I was checked out of the prayer when Brian was praying. Bless God. I was like, his name was Thomas. His name was Thomas. His name was Thomas. Ah! This is, sometimes God does stuff. It's like, whoa, you are really up there. Yeah. I've heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Like Job said, I'm like, wow. But beloved, he saw himself without God. And that Thomas, that beloved brother, is secured with salvation. Now his disciple, now Brian says, dude, can you please uh, pay attention to people walking in? You at the front desk in the Word. You just can't get out of it. I got people walking in the natatorium. Thomas, get out your Word, man. I know you just fell in love with Jesus. He can't get out of it now. That's amazing. Praise God. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. He was sent to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. Comfort the brokenhearted versus binding up. Different thing here. Binding up goes beyond the usual comforting techniques like listening to someone in pain. We can listen to someone in pain all day, but beloved, 
There is something that Holy Spirit can only do that touches and heals the deep wound in our hearts. Whether that be from rejection, just hurt, like I said, life giving you a left hook and just, and life just, if I could just so plainly say, it just sucks. Life just sucks right now. Like, I, I'm just, Lord, where are you at? Right? This, this binding up speaks of spiritual heart surgery. He binds up, he pulls together the broken pieces that's been shattered and repairs the breaks. He starts binding up. That's what I'm talking about, being healed so you can be filled. Bind up the heart. Let me, let me bring that piece of rejection over here because I don't reject you. You're a son and a daughter. Let me bring that jaded thought about a father. Let me bring that piece over here because I'm a good father. Let me bring that piece over here, that, that delayed answered prayer, that delayed prayer that hadn't been answered. Let me bring that because I'm the God who answers prayers. Let me bring, let me bring that, that hope deferred, what you thought was going to happen that didn't happen. I'm the God of hope. Let me bring that to you. Let me bind that up for you. When we're speaking of people who are brokenhearted, we're talking about the spirit and emotions of a person. Ones who grieving, who's lost hope. But Jesus is anointed to repair that damage, beloved. He's anointed to do it. But this comes kind of a little touchy because it's a praise God for anesthesia when we're going through surgery. Okay, I don't want to feel that. Right? I don't want to feel what you're doing in my knee. All right? When God does surgery in our heart, we have to be willing to embrace that sting a little bit. I got to be willing to embrace that sting. Lord, for those of you who don't know, my father was in prison 22 years. Kind of had a little jaded thing there with fathers, being a father, looking at fathers, right? But God, I had to allow God to say, I know this is going to hurt. Just a little, just, I'm a good physician. Let me just, let me just heal this wound, right? Yeah, uh, my son, when he, when he hurts himself, I'm like, all right, but let's put some medicine. <laughs> right? Like a little kid, like little kids do. like, all right, no, buddy, I, I got to bandage it up. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> all right? We're like that before the Lord. Like, oh, Lord, just don't touch, don't touch. Hurry, 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 hurry. Ah. Okay, thank you. Right? The Lord wants to bind us up. He wants to bind us up. He don't want you hurting anymore. Today. Today. He wants to bind you up. I'm going to skip through here a little bit if you don't mind. Comfort and console those who are mourning. Just reiterating the binding ministry that Jesus has. Beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a divine exchange going on. But in order to get exchange, you got to give. I got to give my ashes so I can get beauty. I got to give you my mourning so I can get the joy. I got to give you my spirit of heaviness so I can have that garment of praise every day. Wearing praise where's my cloak. And praise is just simply doing this. Lord, I'm going to open up my mouth and put you in your rightful place over every situation in my life. I'm going to put your name in its rightful place because you make all things wrong right. And I'm going to, with my mouth, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. 
There's something powerful because I think we've come, uh, like, I don't know how this seeped into church, but this, uh, all right, let us pray. It's like, all right, my mouth shuts. The guy who's praying is talking to God. Okay, that's his job. Beloved, the blood made an access, tore the veil so you can go in boldly before the throne of grace to talk to God. God, the one who stretched out the heavens, puts water at bay, hung the stars in the sky, who led his people fire by night, cloud by day. That same God we have access to, beloved. We have access. We don't have to say, oh, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, can you um, tell God, uh, (laughs) tell God, um, I need a breakthrough. We're going to see what he says to Jeff. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, thank you for pastoring us in this way, saying, I'm not the guy who has the answers. We are leading you to Jesus, letting you understand your proper and rightful authority with the blood of Jesus made way for you. You can talk to God yourself. And beloved, it doesn't have to be elegant. You can say, hey, God. Woo, uh, some crazy dude was talking today and he said, I can do this. Um, hey, <laughs> how you doing? I don't really know. Lord, I'm just trying to learn this thing. How weak does that sound? But beloved, it moves the heart of God. It moves God. It moves him because now my son and daughter is beginning to speak to me. And now I can come in like a flood and show him how good and satisfied it feels to have communion, fellowship with God. That's our reward. That's our reward. If we don't get any blessings from this point forward in life, I hope not. If we don't get any more physical blessings, fellowship is our reward. Fellowship with God is our reward, and we will be doing this for eternity. There will be no more need for physical blessings and breakthrough in eternity, beloved. We will be communing with God forever and ever 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 and ever. Right? Hallelujah. Beauty for ashes. This is this exchange. In Bible ancient practices, ashes were a symbol of deep repentance and grief. Okay, so in this context, Zion was remembering the good old days. Ah, when there was peace in the land. Guys, remember that? We weren't like taken captive by Babylon. Like, you remember when God just was with us? You remember when, remember when things were okay? And they start reminiscing. They're like, wow. And, and, and in that point, beloved, their mental, mental and physical state were, 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 was too unbearable that they're in, they couldn't even envision a new beginning. They were so caught up on what was and was missing what could be. So caught up in what we don't have and what we're not at that we just stay. I call it navel gazing. You just stare like, oh, poor me. We're just going through life. And... <laughs> Beloved, there is something on the other side of the breakthrough. Just hold on. There's something on the other side of the promise. Other side of the promise, there is breakthrough. There is breakthrough. 
And life sometimes, it, it, it hurts. It's dark. It's ugly. It's messy. Don't be acting like y'all perfect out there. It's messy. It's messy. But the deeper truth that shines through is every bit of our grief, pain, and sin, and shame, we have a great purpose and hope. That's that exchange that God wants to do. He didn't didn't say, be stuck in that place forever. Be stuck in shame forever. Be stuck in grief and mourning and being sad forever. No, he didn't want to keep us there. He made a way. He made a way. He came to set us free and exchange our ashes for his promises. He calls us onward. He says, come, come in healing. And beloved, there can be instantaneous healing and there's delayed healing. There's process in healing, right? When I had surgery in, in, uh, in college, uh, my, my uh, uh, PT said this. I'm, I'm at, so six months recovery, six months recovery. At month three, I'm like, yo, like the scars are healed. Like I'm ready to go. Come on, get me back in there. Write that slip. Come on, let me get back in there. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He goes, no. I go, ah, look, look, look. I'm good. He goes, Kate, you heal on the outside first, but you still have healing to go on on the inside. So I may look okay. Scars may be healed. I may be looking fine, but on the inside, there is still major work and healing to be done. That's the same for us. Let God take you. Have grace for yourself. I thought I was going to be done with this. I'm still struggling. I'm still dealing. I love it. He doesn't give us any more than what we can bear. Embrace the process of healing and let God meet you in every single stride and pace. He speaks all this to assure us that there's no destructive force in our lives greater than his plan to redeem it all. There's no principality, no power in hell, no demon, no devil can keep God from doing everything he wants to do except us. We give the devil too much credit. Well, the devil just, I got a left hook today. The jaw kind of hurt. We give him too much credit. Too much credit. Because I'm the only person that can stop and withhold a move of God in my life individually. I'm the only person who can be in bitterness. Bitterness. Where I have jaded thoughts about God, I just sit there. And I watch everybody else get blessed. Watch everybody else do the thing. And here I am, poor old me. Beloved, come out of that. Come out of that. There's healing for you today. Healing for you today. You know, this, this beauty for ashes, this divine exchange, reminds me of this psalm in Psalm 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget. Yeah, yeah, I, I see some of y'all whispering. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Don't forget any of his benefits. What benefits? The benefits of his blood. The benefits of us being sons and daughters. It says this, who forgives all your sin, heals all your diseases, 
redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with favor and compassion, and satisfies your life with good things. Do not forget. We push back despair and bitterness and envy, and we choose to believe you're going to satisfy me with good things. The psalm says, show me a sign for good and let my enemies see it and be ashamed. Show me a sign for good that you're still for me, Lord. That you still love me. That you still want to protect me. That you guard me. That you want me whole, complete. Show me a sign for good and let every enemy, principality, demon, and devil see it. Let them see it. It's like the psalm says, I'm just going to prepare a nice steak dinner right here. I want you to sit right here in front of your enemies. Bitterness, come here, sit down. Rejection, come here, sit down. Sit here. Jesus pulls out the seat for you. Come here, son and daughter, sit right here. Pushes you in like a nice gentleman. And then stares at bitterness, envy, lust, greed. He says, watch this. I'm going to pour my oil on you. I'm testifying before every enemy of you externally and internally right now. You're my beloved son and daughter. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. I'm the good father. I'm the champion of salvation. I'm the divine protector. And nothing, nothing can come beyond that line that I set. And if I choose to let it happen... I choose to let it happen. But don't think they're pushing me over in heaven. <laughs> you think those demons are pushing God over? Psh, get out the way, God. We're going to do what we want to do. Oh, no. No. That throne's too mighty, too high, too lofty to be pushed around like that. God is not a passive God. He is not passive. He is strong and mighty, patient and tender and loving. We're in agreement with this. Hallelujah. Okay, last thing. Worship team, you come up. Now, all this awesome stuff, the exchanges, the protection, the the healing internally and externally, all this stuff, for what? There's a big so that in this scripture. God doesn't heal us just so we can swim in that healing and actually not be changed actually not have fruit from it. He didn't do that. He goes, I'm doing all this so that you will be called oaks of righteousness. Somehow in this stream of in the body today, there's this, I like, to, I like the idea of being healed and I like being healed, but I don't like the maturity that healing brings. So therefore, since I don't like to actually get mature in the Lord, I'm going to keep it at bay or I'm just going to swim in this idea of always wanting to be healed. And beloved, that is a treadmill that you need to get off of. Oaks of righteousness, strong, mature in the Lord, rooted and grounded in the knowledge of Christ, bearing fruit in every season, strong and stable. That's how he sees every single one of us. And he binds us up. He makes these exchanges so that we can be called oaks of righteousness. 
the planting of the Lord so that he will be glorified. Your healing, God loves it, but your healing is not to say, look at me. It's to say, look what he's done. Look what he's done. Ears of addiction broken. Look what he's done. My marriage has been in shambles. Look what he's done. I've been dealing with this sickness. Look what he's done. I didn't know if he was going to live. Look what he's done. I thought my kid would never come back to the Lord. Look what he's done. Been walking in shame forever. Look what he's done. Had an issue with my father since I've been a young child. Look what he's done. Let's go ahead and stand. These next few moments won't go long. These next few moments, we're just going to receive from the Lord. Pray.